So today we just wanted to answer a couple of questions that came in before we continue with our study uh, in the next weeks. And uh, so one question that came in had to do, and actually two of them that came in were, were pretty similar, uh, had to do with this idea of when we talked about the dispensation of the fullness of times in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 10, where the NIV says to put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under is that the present dispensation of this age of grace, the church, the body of Christ? And I suggested to you that maybe this is looking forward to the uh, the kingdom age. The reason I would say that, again, these are ones I would not be dogmatic on. There are different opinions on it. And there are those who come from the same theological background as I do that maybe have uh, different opinions on this. But when we come to the, uh, the book of Revelation, it is kind of interesting. You know, we have a lot of, uh, material given to the tribulation time then we come to the millennial kingdom and the following new heavens and new earth uh, there's really not as much it just tells us what's going to happen in that chapter 20 where i mentioned we have six times 1000 years that's addressed to the millennial kingdom however in the context of the scriptures especially as we look at the old testament and the prophecies of the lord uh, think of uh, matthew 24 25 the olivet discourse where he speaks clearly of this coming kingdom era, uh, the tribulation that will go before it, the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, uh, that looked forward to the tribulation time, and then the Messianic kingdom. And the Messianic kingdom that we talked about described as when the lion and the lamb will lie down, they'll beat their plows and their swords and the plowshares. Um, this, this is a predominant theme. And of course, in our Lord's ministry, he also talks about this age uh, when, when Peter says we left everything to follow you and he says that no one has done so uh, will not will not lack but that will receive a hundred time a fold uh, in, in the age to come. So is this the age to come, the current age? Is it the new heavens and new earth or is it the millennial kingdom? When it comes to the new heavens and new earth in chapter 21 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So that's why I, I tend to look at these prophecies about uh, the, you know, the fullness of times, the, the, the completion, the things coming all together. Really, it's a Messianic kingdom. Certainly, it takes place in the new heavens and new earth, but that is a new heavens and new earth. We're just not given the details of how this transition takes place from the old earth. Although in Peter, we do, talk, we do read about uh, the world being evaporated, if you will, in the, in the, in the flames and so on and destroyed. Um, we're not given the details how this transition takes place. How is the new earth uh, repeopled? There are a lot of different views on that. But that is this, at Revelation 21, we, we have ended the, the ages of what we know as life on this earth, if you will. And so it seems that the Messianic kingdom, and then we looked at our last study, where we see that in this current age, uh, Satan is still called the prince, the power of the air, that he works, he's still at work, energizing, still at work in the sons of disobedience. And so it seems to me that it's when Satan is put away for those thousand years and captive in the bottomless pit, that during that thousand years that the Lord reigns on earth without the influence of Satan and his demons, that this would be the time where we would look forward to the fullness of time. It seems to be a future-oriented thought, the fullness, of, looking toward the fullness of times. So that's why I would uh, suggest that the fullness of times will come uh, after the tribulation. 
when the Lord reigns on earth and there is this amazing change in all every aspect of life on earth. Uh, that in ways from our dispensational view of scripture, we do believe in a literal uh, kingdom that is going to come to pass uh, through ethnic Israel. It is for the entire world. It's not just an Israel thing. It's for the entire world, but it's administered through the Messiah, uh, the, the Lord, uh, the Christos, the Christ, who comes and reigns on earth, literally for those thousand years. There is a brief time at the end where Satan is released. We see this as well in Revelation 20. And then uh, he is a rebellion gathers, and then he is cast into the uh, lake of fire forever. And so then chapter 21 is the new heavens and new earth. So I tend to look at the ages in that sense. Now, the second question is, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, everything uh, being subjected to him in this age and in the age to come. I also suggested in light of the context of the Bible, uh, emphasis on the Messianic age, that that could be the Messianic age. Uh, could it also be eternity, the new heavens and new earth? Yes, again, I would not be dogmatic on it, but I just, I tend to put these things in the context uh, that scripture has of, of looking forward to that Messianic age is the fulfillment and completion of, of life as we know it on this earth, although it's not gonna be as we know it, it's gonna be completely different. Uh, and of course, then the question, the other question that comes up with that is uh, the church, the body of Christ, if he's the head and we're the body, where will we be? Is our, is our calling a heavenly calling or will we return, return with him to earth during those thousand years? Well, that's another topic we could pick up at another time. There are different views on that as well. So I think in light of what we saw in our last study that, that, that Christ is, or that, excuse me, that Satan is so-called the prince, the power of the air during this era, that it would make sense that this is not the dispensation of the fullness of times, but that is yet to come when he does return and reign on earth. So if that helps, um, again, we can give some more thought to that. And um, But I'm going to take a minute if you want to read the context and, and read the last part of Revelation, especially uh, chapter 20, uh, after the battle of Armageddon during the tribulation, which sort of climaxes the tribulation. And in chapter 20, where it has this brief description of that Messianic 1,000 year reign, and then chapter 21, the new heavens and the new earth. It gives some thought to that. What, what does that mean? How does, you know, what are we told and what aren't we told about this? The main thing we're told, the big picture is at the very end of it, <clears throat> John, who, uh, uh, who is writing this from the island of Patmos, <clears throat> and John says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so the big picture of Revelation, I like to remind people, the big picture is, God wins, Satan loses. And to keep that big picture in mind. Now, that leads to our next question, this idea of the big picture, because I had another a very good question from a friend of mine. And I uh, wrote this. You had mentioned the forest and the trees. We are getting into the forest and examining the trees, which is great. Yet during our studies, should we be looking at the forest, which from the commentaries I read, Paul is trying to unite the Jews and Gentiles, using the forest as a precursor and applying our studies uh, in the verses in Ephesians. And that's a very good question. And of course, uh, this is a, uh, the dilemma, a little bit, I guess I'd say, of doing what we call an exegetical study. I chose for this study, since we have 15 minute blocks to do the study, uh, I chose to do an exegetical study through the book of Ephesians. Obviously, I, I picked this during this unusual time that we have this uh, stay at home order. We're not able to meet. 
uh, to provide just a daily uh, Bible study for those who would like to be a part of this and some have some more time on their hands and not commuting and so forth. Um, but yeah, in, in, in a, as I mentioned before, in a verse-by-verse -verse study, this is always the dilemma. This is always the the danger, if you will. It's just like when you go to seminary or Bible college and you, you're studying to prepare for ministry and the Bible can become an academic book as you're studying and, and so forth and getting deep into things and then forget the application of the big picture. So yes, the big picture, the forest. Uh, so here, here's the thing I would suggest would be really helpful as we do this because I'm going to continue to do this on a verse-by-verse -verse, uh, section. We will stop and do some uh big picture things. Now, just to remind you that the book of Ephesians, most commentators will also note, is really divided sort of in half. The first three chapters really seem to be this doctrinal and progression of this, this thought of what God is developing, how God is planning the salvations unfolding. And then in chapters four to six, you have this tremendous application. Uh, live like children of God. Uh, forgive, be kind to one another. Uh, how you treat your family, how you treat your children. Uh, how you live in the spiritual warfare, how you apply these things. So so that's going to be part of it. So as we do the first three chapters, I would encourage to, to every so often just take a few minutes and just read those three chapters in one setting. Uh, as we get into chapter two now, the, the, the topic that was mentioned here in this question, yes, this is germane to Ephesians. This idea of Jew and Gentile uh, being coming together apart from any uh, works the Mosaic Law as the new people of God uh, through simple faith in Christ. And we will stop and look at that big picture a little bit more as the chapter 1 has kind of built a foundation for that. Chapter 2, as we saw, as we got into it, that Paul talks about um, basically that all are under sin and the reason that we all need grace and mercy. Then we're going to come to that portion we, we know so well, for by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And that's then going to be applied to this new people of God, Jew and Gentile. And of course, that topic represents, you know, we don't think of the world so much in Jew and Gentile, right, in our culture. In the Bible culture, and the, what this came from, uh, this is very important, of course. And so, because of the, 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 the how it started with Christ and within the Jewish context and culture, and the message going out, uh, and then we see this switch uh, to, to God doing, we're going to see this in chapter 2 and 3, that God doing something unrevealed, a mystery that had not been previously revealed, the church, the body of Christ, who we are today. And so um, we can think of it in terms of not only not you know Jew and Gentile, but all ethnicities. And that's why I mentioned in Galatians, where Paul says in the body of Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female, bond or, or, or slave or free. Of course, in that context, when they had slavery and servants. Um, so we should think of it in this context, that yeah, a big part of Ephesians is going to be unity and what it means to be one despite our differences our cultures our ethnicities our backgrounds that we are one in Christ and how then does that unity impact how we live and so we're going to make those applications in chapters four to six to these so yes we're going to continue um, this verse by verse and looking at the trees we'll kind of try to step back and look at the forest but I would encourage you that uh, since I'm only doing this in the 15-minute block, that if you could take some time to, to take that big picture by simply reading these chapters as far as we go, I would encourage you to take some time to read chapters 1 to 3. <clears throat> and think about that, that Paul is developing these doctrines and these principles 
and this 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 uh, revelation of what amazing revelation. I don't think I'm not sure we could ever fully grasp how radical this was in that first century world that these Jews and Gentiles were being asked, you know, these, these pagans and these very uh, religious Jews to all of a sudden meld together into one body. I mean, it's just amazing. If it hadn't been the work of the Holy Spirit, it could have never survived. And yet, uh, Paul is building toward that unity. And so what we're studying here is going to lead into that. So yes, we'll try to continue to keep that big picture in mind. And I think as we get into chapter 2, we'll have an opportunity to kind of step back and see how this is all applied. Uh, but keep in mind, while the language we're going to talk about is Jew and Gentile, then in our context today, it's, it's the unity and the, an opportunity that we have. And of course, as part of this, should always be uh, our desire to share the gospel uh, with everybody uh, to become part of that. So those are a couple of questions, good questions. We can give some more thought to. When I, when I say that, um, things like, you know, I would not be dogmatic on certain things like the age, this age, the age to come. That's my opinion is the Messianic age. And that's because there are certain things that are essentials in the Christian faith. I meet with uh, Shoreline, uh, my community, pastors. We get together for lunch. We have great fellowship. Uh, if, we, if we talk about doctrine, we're going to have some maybe differences in doctrine. Well, I'm sure we have. But we agree on the essentials. And that's why as we meet for our unity and fellowship, we agree on our essentials, how to reach our community, how to support and encourage one another. And when I say, therefore, that um, I would not be dogmatic on something, that, that simply means that, uh, you know, there are different views on this. When our essentials, like, for example, the, the Trinity, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, those are essentials that all evangelical, true Christian believers hold in common. We cannot agree to disagree and say, well, he's not really fully God and all. That is essential to our Christian faith. Salvation by grace, as we're going to see in Ephesians 2. To me, this is an essential of the Christian faith. And so we'll have to make some of those distinctions as we go through and talk about uh, some of these things. So I encourage you to take some time and uh, as we get ready to move into this really important topic of the, the revelation that Paul received to go to the Gentile world with this new message and how Jew and Gentile are united into one body. Yes, that is the big picture, but it's a big picture of unity, which will really come out in chapters four to six as we apply the things that we are studying verse by verse in this chapter. I hope that helps in these questions. I appreciate that. Any questions you have, feel free anytime to uh, contact me. I really appreciate all of you taking time to just uh, spend a little time in this study. And we'll look forward to continuing in uh, chapter two next week. Thank you.